Listening to Sound Booth Podcast. Join our hosts as they talk about pop culture, entertainment, and how to balance everything secular and spiritual. Turn this stupid thing off and keep squealing at me. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sound Booth Podcast. I'm your host, James. And yeah, you get to listen to me rant about something niche for about. 30 to 45 minutes we'll see how this one goes but yeah a bit of the behind the scenes stuff going on right now we are trying to get like other people involved so it's not just me rambling about something i find interesting for like i said about 45 50 minutes somewhere up in there but scheduling is well it's it's scheduling it can't can't be helped sometimes Anywho, so last time when I was talking about the old moral panic to witch hunts thing, I had mentioned that my next episode was going to be on the Salem Witch Trials. However, I feel I need uh, a wee bit more time on that just to make sure I got all my facts straight about what I exactly want to cover, how expansive I want to make it, make sure I'm not like misconstruing anything or anything like that. Or that I construct a narrative that actually, you know, makes sense and is entertaining to listen to on this wonderful podcast that, you know, I'm glad, you know, some people at least listen to. Which, we finally uh, broke 1,000 downloads, like, total, not just in a single episode. Which, it, it the fact that this thing that me and a couple friends started, even though I had, like, no self-confidence and, like, speaking out sharing opinions even when it was with friends has you know at least done something i uh, thank y'all thank thank you so much for that that being said what i want to talk about today is something you could call it a bit of a hobby of mine that i've had uh for a while now i like to make up stories like come up with ideas for stories for like books movies whatever just come with them because I've always had, like, a love for, you know, this kind of thing. Like, making up a fictional world. I think it comes from me. Uh, fiction was always my best. Like, for lack of a better word, escape when during the uh, rough years of my childhood. Which, if you want to hear more about that, we did an episode on that uh, a bit back. So, yeah, if you want to hear my tragic backstory, go check it out. You see... I've always wanted to, like, maybe one day build up to actually writing a book, actually becoming an author of, like, a book. I, I've even had plans to do, like, a, your radio drama, like, podcast drama, that audio drama, whatever, what, whatever the name is. However, the position I find myself in time after time is that I can come up with a good idea. I can get the concept all down, but when I sit down to actually write it, nothing. Like, I, I can think of a good beginning uh middle but then the ending eludes me or i think of a good beginning and end but the middle is me just one part of that story keeps eluding me so i just put it on the back burner and never think about it again which leads me to today i was uh going over some of the uh these ideas that i've written down even a couple things that i've actually you know sat down and taken the time to actually write out into at least like maybe a first chapter or like a simple uh short story kind of format uh, like an introduction kind of thing if i can english correctly today so what i'm going to do today for the next couple minutes is i'm going to share some of these ideas with you and maybe even read you some of these stories that i wrote just because i i'm tired of just 
keeping these all to myself, let me put it that way. Not that I think these are like the next like Stephen King, James Patterson, whatever nonsense they are. It's just it hoarding stories to yourself is is boring. In fact, that's kind of the subject of one of these that I believe is the inspiration for one of these recent story ideas I had. It's weird because I want to share these with the with the world, but either A, I'm not capable in the grammar department enough for that, or B, I just can't motivate myself to do it, or C, I, I just don't think that anything that I do is good because my self-confidence is, <laughs> what even is it at this point? Uh, that That's what being in an abusive environment where you're in, where if you're an introvert, they try to force you to be an extrovert, and you know you're just have to repress everything and take everything as it comes. And uh, sorry, I'm spiraling again. Anyway, so what I'm gonna do is I'm going to just go through a couple of these ideas I have, these prompts that I have written for for myself, and just kind of discuss through kind of like what I thought about, what I was thinking, where I thought the story would go if I actually sat down and did something with these concepts. So yeah, so let's begin. But before that, I need to set the mood for this first one. You are a mighty, legendary dragon. And like other dragons, you over the centuries have amassed an amazing and mighty horde of the thing most precious to you in this life, books. However, Keeping this enormous quantity and collection of books to yourselves has become less thrilling over the years and centuries. So, you come up with an amazing plan to share your books with the world. Open a library. The only problem is, no one really trusts a dragon. So the plot of this one would have been really straightforward if I actually sat down and made this into a story. And essentially... Dragon opens up a library in the cave, spruces it up, makes it nice, fancy, everything. Everything is lining up. It's perfect. The books are well on display, categorized, organized, all that. However, like I established, the person who put this library together is a dragon. And as we all know, dragons don't have the best reputation when it comes to fantasy stories. So I envisioned this would be like a, I don't know, I think this would kind of fit as an anime almost. Yeah. Uh, one of those weird like fantasy comedy sort of things. One idea I had was uh, the uh, one of the books that the dragon happened to be hoarding is a book of magic and it learns how to shapeshift itself. So it could appear to be a human. Pretty much the the dragon could claim that they killed the dragon that was in this was in this cave and they found just this horde of books and decided not to let them go to waste and open a library when really the hero who slayed the dragon is actually the dragon all along who just wants people to enjoy books yeah <laughs> or another idea would be um the dragon opened up the library and everyone accepted it after a while it took a bit of getting used to but eventually they just accepted the dragon cave library as just part of the town so our story picks up with a new person coming into town. Maybe they've heard of this amazing library in distant lands and them, being a scholar themselves, are wanting to check it out. And that's when they come across the fact that 
yes, this is an amazing library, but it's run by a dragon. And, of course, you get shell-shocked, you know, they point weapons at it and everything, but then the patrons of this library be like, no, dude, come, come, it's okay, he's cool. So this person will then, like, either A, just accept it and, you know, just do the research, maybe befriending the dragon in the process, or B, always be skeptical about it, you know, watching it out the corner of its eye, thinking that it will, this is an elaborate, you know, trap to trap all these people in here and eat them. But, yeah, that that's a few ways that I thought the story can go. But other than that, um, like I said, this is the, I don't think I said that or, or not. Anyway. This is one of the newest ones I've come up with, so I haven't had time for it to, like, marinate yet in my mind. So I can think of, like, uh, you know, different ways to take the story, how to do it. What, I, what I've what i been striving to do is, like, maybe put together, like, a, like, at least try to do something novella length or something like that. Like a short story collection, maybe, or something. I don't know. I... <sighs> Like I said, I love making these stories. It's just actually getting them out there. I'm, I don't really have means of doing that, that, <laughs> that I don't have to psych myself up for it. It's like this episode right here. I almost didn't record this today because I was like, nah, no one wants to hear me talking about this stuff because I don't make cool stuff. But, you know, that's, that's just my uh, low self-esteem talking again, which... I'm working on it. Uh, it's you. You can't undo like years worth of putting yourself down, like years, maybe in a decade of just putting yourself down and thinking you're nothing. You do is good. You can't just overcome that in like a year or so. So I'm working on it. I need to find a therapist. Anyway, anyway, enough of my personal time, personal life, not personal time. So the next story idea I came up with, I actually put a lot of thought into this one. Um, I was actually going to turn it, uh, was actually thinking about starting another podcast where it was just like the ongoing, like continuing drama of this. And even if I decide not to put it in audio form, this could work as a series form because I believe it has nice potential for like an ongoing series, maybe in like short books and stuff like that. I came up with the idea for this one. Uh, there's this channel on YouTube I follow called uh, Overly Sarcastic Productions. And on there they have a series of videos they call Trope Talks, where they talk about and discuss different tropes in like writing, fiction, yada, 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 so on and so forth. And one of them was on the subject of immortality, like how it's used in fiction and how it can be overused, underused, uh, the difficulties of writing it, stuff like that. So I was thinking, you know, what if there was an immortal who, over the centuries that he's been alive, decided to keep a journal? Series of journals, in fact. Um, what would they be like? How would he write them? Would they be in different languages? Would he, in the future, after speaking a different language for so long, have forgotten what he originally wrote and had to relearn that language again? And, you know, stuff like that. So... I thought about he would write down these journals and then to get his story out, he sends it to this guy. He would be the, quote, author of these books. And for some strange reason, I found that I have a hard time pronouncing the word author while trying to record this, which y'all don't have to hear any of me screaming, trying to say author, but pronouncing it Arthur. I, uh, language is hard. <laughs> but I say, hey. Hey! 
back to the story. So I'm actually going to run through what I thought like a first like episode or opening of this would be like. Uh, so I was going to initially have the dude send him the journals like out of order because it's been a while. He has a lot of them and some of them he has to transcribe. Some of them more than likely the books aren't, you know, feasible to be handled by human hands anymore. Stuff like that. So the first one I was going to uh, have this author publish that this supposed alleged immortal who turned out is actually an immortal. So anywho, the first journal entry we would get would be from March 1986. There's a there's a reason for that specifics in there. Um, this guy, he had just gotten out of seeing the movie Highlander, which that was another like initial thought I had. I was like, okay. Well, this guy kept the journal, and how would an immortal react to seeing a movie about immortals? You know, it, it, it's it's a thought that 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 I had running through all, all this. Brief summary of the movie Highlander for those who don't know. Um, we follow a Scottish immortal named Connor McLeod, who in this world there's a contest between people who are immortal, where they're trying to be the last one standing, and if they do, they get a prize. The only way to kill these people is by chopping off their heads. And cue cheesy 80s wonderfulness starring Queen. So when we pick up with our immortal in the story that I came up with, pretty much he just got home from seeing the movie and he's writing down his thoughts about how he liked the concept of it. He wonders for a second if this will be a way to end his own mor or immortality, except for he lived through the French Revolution, which, you know, sets up future, um, like things for this and another thing I kind of want to establish in this is like some frequently asked questions he would get as an immortal like uh well what was it like meeting uh George Washington and of course the answer would be like well I didn't know he was going to be as important as he was he was just a good general at the time or what were you there for like uh the the insert historical event here and then he was like no i was in israel at that time or you know no i was over on the other side of the planet at the time just because i'm immortal doesn't mean i'm omniscient so yeah just a little niche thing i thought there and also i've <laughs> i came up with the idea of how this man would actually live and have a job because i made him like uh i, I gave him a job at, at a museum as part of his you know character which would make sense it would be a place where he could feel he both nostalgic at home and, and, you know, the relics of the past, plus be able to help people in the present, stuff like that. In order for him to get that job in the first place, I came up with an idea that the government knows about immortals and they have a special division just for them. Now, whether or not there are other immortals in this world, I haven't thought that too far ahead. But yeah, it's just an agency that handles, like, you know, getting him social security cards, uh, having to deal with, you know, people getting suspicious that, okay, this dude has been an employee here for 50 years, yet he doesn't seem to be aging, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, back to what he thought about the movie. There's a scene in the movie where, um, there's a scene in the movie where after this event happened, we see Connor McLeod and uh, his wife, Heather, back back in the past before we follow him in the in the present I put presence in air quotes because by present I mean the 80s. Where is this beautiful montage scene that's, uh, while well, uh, the Queen song Who Wants to Live Forever is uh, playing in the background. And uh, we just see this montage of him uh, staying young forever and uh, his wife just aging over the years until, you know, she dies. And 
in his arms and uh, it's very tragic tears me up every time and i feel that this would have the same effect on uh the immortal that i wrote in this story where you know that scene just brought back all the memories of his first love and how they met how you know his whole how he became immortal in the first place uh, their life together how eventually him and her had to leave their village because i went back and forth about how far back to make this guy old i think i sailed on the uh on like uh early europe with during like the viking raids on england that that sort of era right there where my initial story was this man was uh, a defender of the village during a uh, raid by the vikings on it and he was killed but somehow he didn't die and just never aged after that him and his wife did marry but eventually as you know him, his wife, and I i did establish that they had children because that becomes a plot point later on. Uh, they were forced to move out of their original village that they lived in, not for malicious things, just so people wouldn't talk. They volunteered to do this on their own. The, there was no like angry mob chasing them out of town. Was after the immortal's wife dies, which I don't think I ever gave this guy a name. I don't know if I ever was going to or just didn't think that far ahead yet. Um, after his wife died, he stayed with, uh, his son or his kids for a while until they, um, got married and had kids. And then he decided just to leave and go wandering the world on, on his own. But, sorry about the noise you hear in the background. Uh, my cat's trying to get into the room I'm currently recording this in. Anyway, before the immortal leaves his, uh, his son and family and their, their kids behind, he makes them a promise that... To the best of his ability, he, in some way, shape, or form, will always look after his family. Which translates into, like, uh, if the family was in need of something, that thing would mysteriously appear on their doorstep. Or, like, money would show up when a family member needed it. You know, stuff like that. Essentially, I would... I had this guy becoming, like, a uh, silent guardian of this family. That is, however, until um, before he's writing his current journal entry now in the 1980s. Sometime before that... Um, one of the uh, the long line of ancestry with his kids spotted him in the midst of doing this, thought he was creepy, and then essentially just shunned, shunned him outright as a creeper, not believing his story that he was their great-great-great-whatever-it-is grandfather who's been watching over the family this whole time because he's immortal. So he still tries the best he can to not arouse suspicion while still keeping an eye on the family, and... One, one idea that I did have that um, is that the author of this story is part of the uh, ancestry line of this immortal's family. And he's doing this as a means for this guy who um, is struggling with work at, at the moment to try to get his feet off the ground. His uh, fiance is supportive, but still you can tell that money's kind of tight for them right now. So he uses this as a way for this guy to get his... Uh, his book writing career off the ground and become a famous author because a lot of people would probably read this story and think of it as fiction anyway so this is a way he could support his his family without doing it that was one idea i had about how this story can go and wrap up about how essentially the the story happening beyond just a dude sharing some some diaries from a supposed immortal so yeah that 
is pretty much where I got into that. I may end up making this a thing in the future for now, but as you can see, I put a lot of thought into this world. Uh, well, probably not a lot of thought comparatively speaking to some what others put into their worlds, but it, it's a start. I guess I realize I'm probably an amateur storyteller at best. It's just I love coming up with these other worlds and, and just making things for them. Like, I've had this, uh, like, story going through my head, like, uh, for a while now about this uh, race or, or, like, this group of super... Uh, universe-saving heroes where their powers come from these rings that, that they wear where whenever they act, activate and they pretty much take on the uh, the power and abilities of different um, warrior class throughout history. Like uh, there's the Spartan who inhabits the power of the Spartans, the ninja, samurai, you know, possibilities were endless with, with that. It's just this like imaginary story I've had running in my head for the longest time you know it's kind of what you know every kid has like a imaginary friends this is like what that evolved into for me but yeah anywho on to the next segment to kind of wrap this up what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna read one or two things that i've actually written um as far as story-wise goes there's a subreddit that i that i like to follow called writing prompts where someone will give a writing prompt and then you have to go go in and like make a story out of it which i've done a couple i think the first one i did was this uh like santa claus thing where he has to get around like all the high-tech streaming and cameras that kids have had nowadays so i came up with the idea that santa actually finds the kids parents and reveals himself to them that he is santa and that he's been real this whole time and then that's how the then he gets the parents to leave the presents under the tree for the kids, so the kids catch their parents to it, think that there is no sand, and they'll stop bugging him when he's just trying to do his job. So, I, I admit the idea has flaws, but it, it was fun to come up with. So anyway, this first one I want to read, I'll read the, the prompt that uh, gave me the inspiration for this story, which, to be clear, this prompt is not my original idea i just you know use it to create my own original idea so there's that i'm also reading the prompt verbatim so bear with me on a few things here having to grow up being able to see ghosts you got pretty used to their shenanigans even if they didn't know it the only possible career path for one with such gift brutally honest reviews of haunted hotels and their ghost performances so essentially you have the ability to see ghosts and how you do you use this ability? You use it to write reviews on haunted attractions about how scary they are, how well the ghost performs, stuff like that. It's it's a nice it's a neat concept. It's like what if uh, Haley Joel Osment from The Sixth Sense tried to make a career out of the fact that he can see dead people. Anyway, here's what I wrote. I wrote this in the style of like a review blog kind kind of thing where this person travels the country and they just blog about their experiences or stuff like that. The Sam Magnolia Plantation. More like the Scam Magnolia Plantation. Sorry for the bluntness, dear readers, but I was left lightly disappointed by this experience. 
Let me back up a second. For those new to the blog, hi. I'm a reviewer of haunted hotels and inns who happens to have the ability to see and interact with the spooks and specters that reside in said places. On my way to review this lovely haunted cottage in East Texas, review coming soon, I had some free time so I decided to check out this admittedly nice plantation home turned bread and breakfast in central Mississippi. The ad had mentioned the place was haunted by a, quote, army of unruly spooks. So I figured why not? Sounds interesting. Some nice things I can say. The house has been remarkably preserved. It feels like stepping back in time, a feeling I love with these old places. There are modern amenities, Wi-Fi, cable, memory foam mattresses, etc., but it doesn't detract from the aesthetic. The owners and staff are very nice and accommodating. The food was exquisite, and I was not the only guest there, so this place is mildly popular. Before retiring to my room, I asked what kind of hauntings this place had. Allegedly, back during the Civil War, an entire patrol of Confederate soldiers had sailed in here one night seeking shelter from pursuing northern forces. However, the owners didn't take kindly the soldiers just taking over the house, as it were, and you guessed it, murdered them in their sleep. So, having heard this, I was shown to my room where I settled in and waited for whatever hauntings the house would throw at me. However, dear viewers, this is where I must drop the pleasantries. Yeah, this place is indeed not haunted. The ghostly whale turned out to be coming from a CD player in the closet, and I will wager there's a room below mine where someone was banging on the floorboards to simulate an angry ghost stomping around. So yeah, we have another gimmick haunting and not a genuine one. Well, to be fair, I did see one ghost. It was of the previous owner's cat who likes to wander around the room and ask for pets, and will occasionally fall asleep at the foot of the bed. He was really cute. Overall, this was a pleasant yet slightly disappointing experience. I told the owners that I knew the haunting was fake, and they did confess that it was an old story their grandparents had started simply to attract business, and they just kept the charade going. I told them that the place was great enough and didn't need the gimmick, to which they agreed. I did tell them about the ghost cat, who I had been informed was named Ziggy. Not sure if they believe me, but I'm used to that by now. Anyway, I'll give this place an overall score of 4 out of 5 for the atmosphere, the food, and just the pleasantness. Come if you want a nice plantation home experience, even though the haunting was disappointing. And that was the story. Overall, I, I do think I did well with this. There are a few things I would change going back on this now, like with the structure and so on. Like I, I feel I was too blunt at the beginning by calling it the scam plantation and then later on i kind of softened around it but that's what happens when you kind of like write as you're going on like it you have a tone but then it like evolves as you're writing the thing out there are a few grammar things that i'm uh <laughs> curious about like uh a entire patrol of confederate forces i think i would have rewritten that to an entire platoon but you know it or some, something similar along the lines of that, and change it to where, you know, they fell asleep in the house they thought was safe, and it wasn't the owners that killed them, it was, you know, the sol the pursuing soldiers that finally caught up to them and surprised them in the night, stuff like that. Also, fun fact, the uh, ghost cat in there, I named it after one of my actual cats that I still have today. In fact, if you hear that banging in the background on occasion that I was unable to cut out, that's him, because he I love him, but... He's an attention seeker. Anyway, um... <laughs> so I believe I have time for one more story. I'll end with this one. So I, I got plenty others of these, like, writing prompts and things that I've written. And I might make another episode in the future about this, going to a few more 
I've gone over and some of these things going through I had forgotten completely about. So, yeah, and I hope y'all enjoyed this so far. I, I just wanted to do something fun after being, you know, dogged by the darkness that is researching the witch trials. Oh, good lord. But that's for another time. So, with this final one, I'll, again, I'll read the prompt that inspired this, which was not written by me, full disclosure. And then I'll just read my uh, story that I came up with. And then I'll discuss it, go over my thoughts, and then we'll wrap this puppy up in a nice little bow and stick it under the tree for Boxing Day. Wait. The prompt reads, The city is desperately trying to come up with new supervillains, since the hero is too clumsy and would destroy everything if left unattended. And I interpret that as basically, you know, you got this city with a hero superhero that, you know, is kind of... He, he does, he has good intentions, but he's very clumsy and ends up just like, you, you know, in movies nowadays about how, you know, they're like, the heroes saved the city. Meanwhile, it's in ruins. They saved the city, you know, stuff like that. So I had the idea of what if a guy became a supervillain in the means of preventing, you know, the heroes from causing these like mass uh, casualties or mass collateral damage, you know, stuff like that. So here's what I wrote. Come back here, you villain. I hear this as I'm running like a madman down the alley. He took the bait. He is... <sighs> the Galloping Gazelle, savior of Shadowflower, North Dakota. Pompous, clumsy windbag was the more appropriate term, if you ask me and others. Yes, he has saved the city on more than one occasion using his super speed. But the thing is, one, he's full of himself. Two, he's a mega-level klutz. And three, he's full of himself. That's where I come in. My name is Paul Bruce, or as I'm also known as, Dr. Interference. My villain name, maybe, but it works for my purpose. What about my superpower, I somehow hear you asking? The simple explanation is teleportation. The more complex explanation is, I can swap places with the last five or so things I have had physical contact with, depending on mass. Aha! Seems like you've reached a dead end, villain! Now get ready for the swift foot of justice! He was right. I was at a dead end, but I wasn't worried. He charged me like a mad bull. His stupid-looking horns ain't right at my chest. With a wave of my cape, I blinked out of there in the last second. The hero slams instead, headfirst into the empty dumpster I touched at the beginning of the alleyway, knocking himself out cold. I walk up to him, check to make sure he's out. He is. I get out my phone and call my contact. With him in, the alley is filled with blue flashing lights. Good work as always, Doctor, says Commissioner Charles. Just doing my duty, sir. Oh, and here you go. I toss him the valuable jewelry I stole. Really, it was some costume jewelry I got off the clearance table. The cashier is in on our little game, so he kindly pushed the alarm. Our glorious hero was around messing things up as usual, so I did what had to be done. Well, anyway, I have a previous commitment, so I must be off. And I vanish, replaced with a table lamp. I appear back in my office on top of my desk. Quickly changing out of my costume, I glance at the picture of my daughter I keep on the table. I'm sorry I couldn't save you, Mary, I whisper under my breath. During a fight with a real supervillain about two years ago, Mr. Gazelle didn't watch where he was going and plowed right into the car she was driving. She died instantly, so at least she didn't suffer. To be honest, I've moved past it. She wouldn't want me to be sad. But that's why I do this whole villain thing. Someone has to keep the heroes distracted so others will stay safe. A knock on my door stirs me from my memories. Dr. Bruce, your two o'clock is here. Thanks, Kim. I say one last goodbye to my daughter and leave the room. The hero would be waking up by now. 
where he'll be fed the usual line of, You vanquished the evil guy, you're a hero, blah blah blah. Meanwhile, I'll be up here fixing your broken arm of a kid who thought that holding an umbrella means you can fly. I don't mind, though. If playing supervillain and being a family doctor keeps the people of this town safe, that's perfectly fine with me. And that's that. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like this one. I... <laughs> Reading it again, it makes me realize that I, I don't know how good I am now, but at the time, I suck at writing dialogue. Um, it's just generic stuff. I mean, like, inner monologues and narration stuff like that, I, I seem to be good at. It's just, you know, how people actually talk. That's where I yeah, struggle with a bit. Uh, but, but yeah, all in all, I, I actually kind of like this angle of, you know, a of a villain who's not really a villain he's just there because the heroes are not controllable like i said the hero meant well it's just sometimes they end up causing more damage than the villain especially in some of the movies nowadays which i can get into cough man of steel cough anyway <laughs> another fun fact about this thing the town that they're in shadow flower north dakota i wanted to use that name not the north dakota part but the shadow flower part that was Part of a, a, a story that I read, it's a children's story. I forget the exact name of it, but it was like a Talentless Tim and the Terrible Wish or something like that. Uh, it's about this boy who grew up in, in the it's medieval fantasy setting. Uh, boy grew up in a village, uh, does, doesn't have a talent compared to others. His sibling is, you know, like the best at everything, best at fighting, best at running. Uh, best at everything it seems and he has nothing that cool by comparison what he does have is a talent for calming and taming animals like he has an instant soothing effect on him so what he then goes about his day ends up saving a wizard uh, from a group of bandits somehow the wizard grants him one wish and he wishes that he could be as talented as his older sibling but the wizard says he'll do that but as a caveat he will gain the talents of his siblings, but he'll lose any talent he already has. Now, Tim doesn't think that he has anything um, worth losing, so he wholeheartedly agrees. That is, until this massive stampede of uh, some kind of animal is tearing through the, through the countryside, head directly for the town, and people know he's really good with animals, so they send them out there. But he doesn't have that ability anymore because he gave that up to be as cool as uh, his his uh, sibling. And this is where I kind of stop with the story because I know how I want to end. I just don't know how to get there. Like, does he try and his town come back or is the does his village get trampled and run over and he the wizard then shows up, gives him more or less and gives him his uh, original talent back or and kind of gets a do-over. That was where I was stuck with that story. I couldn't figure out how to end it in, in a way that I think would wrap everything up. But that, like, <laughs> uh, I said I said the superhero story was going to be the last one, then I told you all that. Oy. Well, anyway, um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say for now. Like I said, I got plenty of others. Let me do another episode of the future. Blah, blah, blah. So I hope that y'all enjoyed this jaunt through, through, uh, the bounds of my creativity and imagination and uh yeah if you like this uh fo follow us on twitter um tiktok facebook 
any other social media things that we have. And I hope y'all enjoy this episode. And I can't wait to see y'all in the next one. And I almost forgot. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything else, you can email us at soundwithpod at gmail.com. And I will see y'all, you dudes, next time. Where, if all works out, we'll be going to Salem for a witch hunt. We'll find the witch, may we burn our